Welcome back to Paperback Besties, where we are besties who like to read and like to talk about it. I am Rachel. And I'm Callan. And today we are discussing The Fragile Threads of Power by V.E. Schwab, who we actually got to meet last week. At the time of this recording, it was last week. By the time this is released, I have no idea when that will be. Some um, weeks ago. <laughs> some, it, it'll be a time in October. We have the signed copies. It was a lovely event. We'll probably talk about it throughout this discussion. Mm-hmm. I hope so. I hope so, too. We broke this book up into halves. So we stopped right before part six. Yes, which if you have like the American version of this book is page 315. So we read parts one through five. Yes. It's about not the halfway mark. Yeah. Yeah. 48% according to Goodreads. Oh, I love that. I love that Goodreads tracks that. It's my favorite part of Goodreads. Me too. <laughs> it's a little reward to update at the end of a day of reading. Yes. So, Rachel, I'm sorry yes. I'm putting you on the spot here, but you're really good at this. Yes. Can you summarize the book and maybe part of the series really quickly? Sure. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> the series before this, which... V made a point in her speech that I will get to. Um, the series before this, that this is a the fourth book in, is A Darker Shade of Magic. And that series is a fantasy series in which there are four Londons that are used to be all connected through magic. Those walls were then closed. There's one guy or one type of person named Antari that can travel between the worlds. And that is Kel and some other people. So it's very magical. It's portal magic. It's very politics driven, but not really. And it's a whole thing. This book is the first in a trilogy that is in the same universe about the same characters. But V made a point in her, I don't know, in her in her discussion. Uh, discussion. Good. <laughs> um, v made a point in her discussion that eventually her goal is that you can either start with Fragile Threads of Power or Darker Shade of Magic when you read the series in the future, depending on. When you come to the series, you know, you might think the Fragile Threads trilogy is a sequel to it, or you might think that Darker Shade is a prequel to this. So it sort of starts at same characters, new story. Same world. So far. Same world. Yes. Same world, new story. So far in this book, we read parts one through five. Mm -hmm. It is seven years later from the end of the last series. Mm-hmm. which is also the same amount of time that it has been since the last series was published, which is very fun. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Did you mention all the different Londons? I'm sorry, I blacked out for I a mentioned- second. <laughs> I mentioned too. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned that there are four, but I didn't really say anything about them. <laughs> okay, 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 that's fine. It's like parallel universe. Yeah. There are four Londons, and they all have different relationships with magic. Mm-hmm. There is Grey London, which is essentially our world that has no magic. And then there is, in the next series, Red London, which is a world that worships magic and takes care of magic and cultivates it in their world to the point where it is thriving. White London is the next one up, and they're all like pages in a book. They're all in series. White London is a world that tried to enslave magic and make it do what they wanted it to do, in which case magic started to recede. And in this universe, magic has a sort of mind of its own, so it didn't really like doing that, and it became scarce. And Black London, in which magic took over everything, and it ended up consuming the whole world, and the world is basically dead. Mm-hmm. And so that's why see- the doors are closed. Yeah, so we see in the first tier- series kind of how all that played out, and now mm-hmm. this one's a continuation of the same world. Yes. My favorite part, I think, of her discussion was when she said, I make characters that live on past the pages. And to me, picking Fragile Threads of Power up, I was like, oh, I fully understand that. Like, these characters have moved on and lived lives. And I think that was pretty cool. Yeah, especially because it's so, it's seven years, both mm-hmm. in book and in life. It's it's cool. You get little snippets of it throughout the first half of this book, I'm sure in the next half as well. Mm-hmm. of what they've been doing in the past seven years but you also don't see like obviously every day the past yeah. seven years but you see a highlight reel of what just happened to them and where they like why they are where they are now i love the schwab i think we both love the schwab i love her I, so much i think she writes so well and i was thinking because i was just listening to our fourth wing episodes about how we were saying how everything seems intentional everything that she writes seems like it has a purpose i think that about ve schwab but in a different way 
I made a note of that too. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Continue what you're saying though, because I want to. I think some of it is like, it's just embellishment. It's just descriptive. It's just pretty, but it all it all works. Like it all mm-hmm. is cohesive. It all like if you took out four paragraphs out of each chapter, it wouldn't be the right. same book. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and I'll get into this later, but I do have one scene where I'm like, was this really? anything and i'm like oh actually it kind of did add to the character development Mm -hmm. of it so yeah at the end of the day it is completely necessary yeah so far what do you think is the overall vibe of this whole book it feels more like how the other series was a story about like the magic taking over the world and the the big bad in books two and three was essentially like magic as a person Mm -hmm. it feels like this book is a universe with magic, but it's not, like, the plot point. It feels more political and more character-driven. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Definitely. I think we are getting more characters. Character descriptions, character emotions. Not that they weren't there in the last book, but, yeah, it was very magic-driven. And magic, I think, was the main character. And this time, I think we have a whole ensemble of characters, and we're getting more of them. Yes. Which I'm here for. I think it feels like a blanket. Feels like a blanket? Yeah. What does that mean? That's cute. I know. (laughs) Um, Well, kind of like, I didn't want to steal when V came to DC slash Arlington, you know, if we want to get technical. Her editor, friend, beta reader. Yeah, I never, I never got her name. But not to downplay her role. Yeah. Um, we just don't know her official title, but I do know that they are very close friends. Patricia said that when V sent her like the first snippets of fragile threads of power, <laughs> she was like, this feels like coming home. And yeah, so to me, it just feels like a blanket. Like, I like all the new characters and places. I'm going to grow to like them, sure. But any scene with like Kel and Lila or Rye, I'm just like, oh, it's my friends. Yeah, it's my friends. My friends are here. Yeah. Yeah. That's a cute sense uh, statement. And I agree. It's very it it feels very familiar and it doesn't feel too far detached from what we know of these people. Mm-hmm. And like these people grew up in 7 years and it they're still themselves. It's still like mm-hmm. good to see them. Yeah. Like, oh, how you doing? Oh. Well, let's get into this. Yes. First off, the dedication yeah <laughs> i forgot about it already mm-hmm. i wanted to mention that it is let me find it for the ones who still believe in magic i just that that also feels like a blanket it does <laughs> it's like that's me um i don't belong in this world i don't belong in gray london i want to be lila which i'll get into Yes, and I just realized something about Lila and Grey London while I was, like, perusing before we started, which is probably obvious, but I just occurred to me. Oh, okay. Okay, so starting in, I'm going to call it the prologue, Um, we meet a new character. I'm going to fuck up these names so bad. Kosika? Kosika? Yeah. Kosika is probably more accurate. Yeah, I I say Kosika in my head, who we don't see again until part five, but this picks up. Really? Yeah. This picks up right when at the end of A Conjuring of Light. So she stumbles upon Holland in the forest, the Silverwood, I believe it's called. Um, And at this point, she's seven. This is the first and only time in any one of these books where we got something before part one started. Ooh, good note. I don't know if that matters, but I just thought it was interesting because mm-hmm. it is like a prologue. It's not. It's not really part of, I mean, it's part of the story, but it's not like part of the the bulk yeah. of the text yet it's a good bridge it's a good transition yeah because i was wondering um when i closed conjuring of light and i'll get into this too i was like oh holly um holly. i know do you feel like holland is around when i opened this i wished he was mm-hmm. after reading part five i don't think so would i love to be pleasantly surprised absolutely i mean she did say a lot during her discussion that she doesn't her characters don't say dead for very long is seven years long (laughs) that is true so i mean i don't know i mean i think it really adds the story that he has passed away but i mean that is a good question because rye is kind of dwelling on what happens after death yeah you know i'm not going to count it out rachel thank you for bringing that up i'm going to i'm not going to hope for it 
but I would love to be pleasantly surprised. Yes. And I think it goes without saying, but I feel very strongly like if you have not read the full Darker Shades of Magic trilogy, there are spoilers for that in this discussion because... Well, obviously, it's going to be spoilers for breaking down the book. If people don't see that, I can only... you. What's the saying? You can lead a horse to the water, but you can't force it to drink. That doesn't apply here. Never mind. Um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's the saying. Like, not <laughs> no, no. how relevant you that's You can only do so much, okay? Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, part one. We meet another new character, Tess. Seven years have passed now. This is when we learn seven years have passed, and we have a whole new lead ensemble. I think this is where we learn that her magic is that she can see the threads of the power and how it kind of... She doesn't know spell work to break it down, but she knows she can see it and she can mend things. So she has her own shop where she fixes broken magical objects. She is going under it as like an old guy who runs it, but it's just her and she's 15. Yeah. I like her so far. I don't know her enough yet. Yeah, I like her. I don't have anything anything against her. Um, I just need more of her backstory. Mm -hmm. But we know that she's, we find out a little bit later that she's kind of a runaway and that's why she's very, she's strong, but she's very skittish. Mm -hmm. And she just kind of keeps to herself and her dead pet owl. So. Varys. Varys. I think I think there's no way we're not going to get her backstory in the second half. I oh, think it's right. going to show up when it's relevant. I think her I family's going to show up at some point. Oh, yeah. And then she, at some point later, she had a, a moment where she was, like, afraid of her sister mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. had a thing about hunting. I'm very interested in that. Oh, yeah, that's totally going to come back. Totally about that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's cool. I, I found her, like, chapters, and she sort of shows up, I think, once or twice at least each section. Yeah. I think so. V.E. Schwab does this thing in these sections where it'll be nine chapters in the section and eight of them will be about one rye. And, and then it'll be Rye's story. And then the last section, chap- the, like the last mm-hmm. chapter in the section will be something completely different. Mm-hmm. And then it'll leave you off on not really a cliffhanger, but like a dun dun dun. And you're like, wait, what? <laughs> That's why I didn't really do, um, I didn't do chapter one, chapter two. I did part mm-hmm. one, part two, because it's just kind of hard to like keep up. So yeah. chapter one, we get tests, we meet her kind of start figuring her out Mm -hmm. um and then in the second chapter of part one we meet the merchant's son that's all he's called he's kind Mm -hmm. of this young arrogant kid i don't know i think i don't really like him he kind of pissed me off oh he pissed me off totally yeah i mean he just has i think very naive um he read a book he wants to go have an adventure i'm the hero i'm going to be like my hero i don't know what you call that i call them arrogant i don't know he wants to rejoin the rebellion which there's a rebellion against Rai, who has now been on the throne for seven years, and Rai doesn't have magic. So the people feel like they're losing magic because he doesn't have any magic. So Red London, they feel, is failing. So now there's the Hand, which is the rebellion against Rai, and he wants to go join it. The mentioned in her talk the merchant's son who has no name and she said there's only a few chapters about him and i was immediately annoyed with him but i was holding on hope knowing that he was going away <laughs> i for- i totally forgot until you just said that i totally forgot she said I was so many good things it. she did um, and she she specifically said that nothing she was saying was like a spoiler mm-hmm. because it was all either not enough information to be a spoiler or if it was just like she said if it's in the introduction to the book then it's not a spoiler because it's just something you no, almost immediately. She told us about a Kel and Lila scene that happened relatively quickly on. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. But she said that the merchant's son just essentially wants people to like know who he is. He wants to be famous, which is funny because she doesn't give him a name. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was really cool then. It was cool that you remember that because I did not. <laughs> I thought about while we were there. She was saying so many good things. And I was like, should I be like taking notes? I was like, I feel like I should record this, but like, I'm not going to record someone without their knowledge. And I didn't know if that was legal to do. But I was like, oh, I should record this because she's saying so many good things. Yeah. Well, V, come back and hang out with us. Yeah. You're welcome on the podcast at any time. Anytime. Just name the day or time and I'll clear my total calendar, even if it's at like 4 a.m. We'll be there. We'll be there. And the next chapter after that, we get Alucard. I don't even know mm-hmm. if I'm saying his name right. Going to the brothel because he's trying to figure out. The rebellion. He's trying to get a hand on it. <laughs> so he went to the brothel 
to get information about the hand and he essentially keeps up this facade that he's like going to sleep with the brothel loner but he's not he's just like going there and getting information from her and playing red london version of chess Mm -hmm. and they're just like out here having a good time not really but getting information and then she's like i don't know anything if i knew anything i'd tell you and he's like okay keep your eyes out and he leaves and then the next chapter she goes to a rival brothel owner who does seem to know something about the hand and she's like well i didn't tell him anything because i don't see how essentially i don't see how it's any of his business Mm -hmm. so i think that's important um, I don't think that this character and this other character of the other guy would show up if it yeah. wasn't relevant that people that Alucard trusts yeah. are keeping things from him. She And I, I totally forgot about this scene until I was just going, reviewing it before we sat down to do this. But I know that she he said, oh, are you a part of the cause or something like that? And she was like, no, I don't really care. I just know that times of upheaval are really good for our business. I was like, oh, I see that. So yeah. She's just kind of the business owner who's just keeping to herself and whatever to that point so is sort of Tess. that's kind of what she's mm-hmm. doing yeah she sees later when we see her and she's kind of been more in the streets and like getting lunch or whatever walking around and she hears somebody some people from the hand mm-hmm. or that seem to be from the hand and she's like you know what that's none of my business i'm just gonna keep my head down i don't have any problem with the crown but i'm not about to pick a fight with anybody she's so maybe that's 15 yeah and if the king has been king for seven years, when you're seven, you don't even yeah. probably know who the king is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I see the side of the brothel owners. And then I also see Tessa's side, too, because she's just she doesn't want to draw any attention to herself at all. So she opened a store. And then we end that part with two chapters on. Do you know the name of this boat? The Ferris Strauss. But like, I'm not saying that. So it is essentially a... I picture, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. When they're course. at the... Oh, yeah, of course you do. <laughs> um, you know when they're at the, like, uh, Smuggler's Cove and it's all those, sh- like, ships yes. piled on top of each yes. other? That's what I picture this boat is. Yeah, it, it's just like this, like, long Costco of a boat. Costco. So this is the floating market where there's all of these magical kind of forbidden objects. And I totally want to be the lady who owns this boat. Oh, totally. This boat is warded and these thieves from the hand are trying to steal a, basically a portal that can do Antari magic. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming it's so that they can get into the castle because it doesn't just take one person through the door. It can take a whole army of people through the door. Mm-hmm. So I'm figuring they're going to try to put the ring that is on this box in the castle and then kind of use this portal because you need that ring to get where you're going. So I think they're going to try to infiltrate the castle with this box. The box breaks, and it's the merchant son that makes it out unscathed, but now cursed. So now, Maris, at the end of Conjuring of Light, which is the third book of Darker Shade of Magic, just to squeaky clean your memory, gave Lila the eye. Lila has a glass eye. and the I think at this she- point, people know that. <laughs> Good. Lila has a glass eye, and Maris gave her a glass eye that is black because she's an Antari, and Antari usually have one black eye. Go yeah. on. <laughs> and while we're here, on that ship, everything comes with a price. Generally, she takes years off your life. But for Lila, she said, you're going to owe me a favor, basically. So this is when she calls in that favor. And then we open part two with Lila. I think that you are very astute for picking that up because I completely forgot about that favor. And then when we were waiting for V.E. Schwab to go on, you mentioned it. And I was like, oh, my God, I completely forgot. I had just read the book, too. And I was like, I didn't even think about that. Because there are some things from the books that I was waiting on. All these loose ends are going to be, like, cleaned up. I'm so excited because, like, I was just so into it. I want to see how it all is going to play out. One is Kel's backstory, but she kind of mentioned that in her discussion that Kel is going to tell that when Kel wants to. Mm-hmm. And two, two was that favor. So I was waiting for Maris to pop back up. Never happened. There was another one. I'll see if I'll ever figure it out. But I think it's gone. So now we're back with Lila, which was the Night Spire. And now she renamed it the Grey Baron. Please tell me you caught that. I That's what okay. I just caught. <laughs> I was like, oh, because Baron was her friend that she lost mm-hmm. in Grey London. Mm-hmm. She named it after him. And I just, when I was scrolling through, I saw... 
the word Baron in italics, and I was like, Baron? And then I was like, oh, that's her ship. Oh, that's her ship. Yeah. I loved how she did that. So now we get to see what Lila and their crew are up to, and spoiler alert, they're thriving. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been at sea for about seven years. <laughs> that's all she wanted in life. And Kel is there, too. So when V mentioned that Kel has a certain disability, I was like, oh, my God, is his arm chopped off? I was like, poor Kel. And that how he has to kind of relearn his identity. And then when I read this and his magic is not working, I was like, oh, my goodness. I was shocked. That is, that's, I mean, my gosh, I wish you, I bet he wish you lost an arm. Yeah. I love Kel. I think he's my favorite character. I love Kel, too. And I feel some type of way about him having this disability like i understand that it serves a purpose and it will probably you know it's i think it's coming back at some point whether it's book one or book three who knows so cal has a white stripe through his hair and he has no magic and i said this i was explaining to my husband when i finished conjuring of light for the second time about how cal lost his magic in the first place it's because they had those rings on yeah and he didn't take his off in time when Holland stabbed himself to remove his magic. So, like, the bit that was connected, he lost. And Holland's hair went completely white, and Kel lost a little piece of his hair as white. And I thought that was cool. And I was hoping I, you were going to remind me of that, because I didn't feel like looking that up to see if there's like, kind of a thing at the end. So I was like, Rachel's got this. Perfect. Thank you. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I... I understand it serves a purpose. I think it's cool that he is, like, stronger now physically and he can use swords instead. And that's, you know, we get to Lila teaching him that, which is very fun. But I am sad and I feel bad for him. I know. I'm very sad about that. I love that whole part. I loved all of part two. I loved how she wrote it. I loved all the yearly callbacks and kind of jumping around and just seeing how he progressed each year. And the yeah. story she told him... Basically, that kind of got him up in the first place and ready to, like, learn physical strength instead of just magic and the progression that he's had. Yeah. And the progression that they've had. And the first time we meet him in this book, Lila goes down to the cellar to get wine and he, like, bombards her. Mm -hmm. And it leaves off on a chapter break. Like, oh, and then, like, somebody tucked out of the shadows and attacked her. And it's like, (gasps) you don't really know who it's going to be because people attack Lila out of nowhere all the time because she's made many enemies in her life. And it's just Kel just faffing around (laughs) yeah but you go back and see how he was after he lost his magic and kind of how he's learned and they've sparred and she's basically taught him and in the first series it was him teaching her and alucard teaching her and now it's her teaching him and i didn't even think about that that's really special it's so special and something i'll say about lila is i love her very much i like how she has all of this magic now all this power now and like a decade ago, she had absolutely nothing. Yet she gets bored with it and keeps trying to challenge herself as she kind of went into in one of the chapters where they were mm-hmm. like ambushing a boat. And she's like, oh, I'll just use fire today. Oh, I'll just use this today. Oh, I'm going to fight like I'm already dying. Like, So she just tries to challenge herself all the time. And, and she doesn't change despite all of the power that she has now. Like later on when they actually get to Red London, she goes and is like off to pickpocket because because she can she can and yeah. she just doesn't change and i love that about her i love that she hasn't changed at all um mm-hmm. and i love that kel has grown and changed and matured lila has not <laughs> yeah but he still loves her <laughs> well she has a little bit because she eight years ago probably wouldn't have a long-term relationship in the that's way that true. she does now that's true I like, I think this is when they mentioned the rings that they all have. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I loved that. So, first off, um, I'll get into this. They mentioned the queen made rings. And I was like, the fuck is happening? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll touch that. So, there's one that connects Kel and Rye together. Mm-hmm. And then Kel gave some not knowing because apparently in red london it's different rings don't mean commitment or anything kel gave one for him and one for lila that if they ever needed each other which i do see where he's coming from here because they do like don't have cell phones right if i need you right and she immediately was like 
what the fuck is this? <laughs> no. And he was like, shit, I'm so sorry. Um, I didn't mean that. <laughs> and he felt like an idiot and he figured she threw it into the ocean. Well, she didn't. She didn't. She keeps it on a necklace around her neck. And I want that to come up in the second half. Because they just make my heart squeeze. I do love how they are still together. Mm-hmm. And there hasn't been any sort of weird, like, oh, we broke up five years ago thing. I don't think there's room for miscommunication in this world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Lila's very straightforward. And I think Kel thrives off of the chaos. I think he needs it. Yeah, not that he thrives off of it. Yeah, he, he needs it. He loves the kind of challenge that she presents. Yeah. Likes to be on his toes. Yeah. I like the ring thing a lot. I do too. Because <laughs> it, it it came up and then like maybe two chapters later it comes up that she was wearing it around her mm-hmm. neck because the, the chapter that you learn about the rings is sort of, it's all in third person but it's, you know, follows Kel. Mm-hmm. And then three chapters later or whatever, you're following Lila and she is like rubbing the ring on her necklace or something. Like she's like touching it on her necklace and or something it references it and you're like oh it's still there yeah i think it came out and she like tucked it under yeah. her shirt again which i don't know how he hasn't seen it i was thinking that too because they do you know see each other shirtless right so really often apparently yeah so i don't i don't know v can you answer that for us yeah maybe maybe he will maybe, maybe. he will notice it maybe maybe, maybe she, she leaves like, her shirt on i don't maybe know maybe she yeah she might be into that Maybe she conceals it. Some kind of magical concealment, if that's a thing. So in one of the flashbacks in part two, we oh. end up at the um, the lightless fair in that, in that ice land. Yeah, they basically arrive in, like, the Arctic Circle. Frieza. Oh, that makes sense. Maybe it's not pronounced Frieza, but it is in my brain. And we end up at the lightless fair, which is very... It's giving Night Circus. It's giving... <laughs> Never got to that part in the book, so I don't it's, know. It, I mean, Night Circus wasn't an ice, but it's just giving, like, magical carnival, and I love a magical carnival. And I got really excited about it, and I was like, I want to learn more about this carnival. Can we go back? And yeah. there's, like, carnival games, and everybody separates. There's, like, drinks, and, like, everything's made out of ice, and everything's magical and really exciting and pretty and glowing ice. And I'm like... Yeah, the magic was in the ice that was, yeah. like, around them. Yeah. I just thought I love that part. Like, this is I like fun. how one like of the crew world. came back with a wife. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And she, she came like, back with a lady and he's like, I like her. She's and that staying. was seven years ago. And she hasn't learned any of their common language. And she knows how to fight and cook. So I was like, sure, let's do it. Yeah, sure. She's like, I like how she's stubborn enough that she doesn't want to learn the language. So she can stay. She's, she right. gets along with me, Lila. That was it. No, that was a cool setting. I don't know if it'll come back. It seems like that part of the storyline is right. I don't, yeah, I don't, again, but I don't think it'll come back. But I think reading that, I was just so distracted because I was so upset about Kel's lack of magic. Yeah. So, I mean, he has it still. It just, he can't do it and it call it without causing an enormous amount of pain. Mm-hmm. Like it's still in him. Maybe Tess will see it and she'll fix him. Oh. <gasps> I want to believe that so bad. <laughs> I, I clearly was like, my mouth was moving faster than my brain was. So. No, I love that. And I think you're right. Because also at some point later, when Lila is talking to Maris about like Maris eventually, mm-hmm. spoiler for a future part of the conversation, when yeah, Maris eventually brings Lila in to talk about redeeming the favor. Mm-hmm. And after their discussion, Lila's leaving and she's like, hey, do you know of anything? Like, do you have anything on this ship that can save Cal? I'll pay for it. Whatever yeah, the yeah, price yeah. is. Which, one, first of all... Yeah, I was going to say, one... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and Maris is like, I don't know of anything. And Maris has a literal Armageddon ship. Mm-hmm. Not Armageddon. Illusional. Fucking... <laughs> 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 not Armageddon. <laughs> it's the opposite. <laughs> it's just a freaking castle of a ship full of magical things. And she's like, I don't know of anything that could fix him. But if I did, I would let you know because I also want to fix him. But she doesn't know about Tess. And Tess right. is essentially one of a kind. That's what V told us in the discussion. She right. says she's, as far as we know, she's the only person who can do what she can do. Right. <gasps> we will see. I really hope that's true. Yeah. The only reason why I stick to chronological order is just so we don't forget, like, you know, a huge part and we're not, like, oh, yeah. Jumping I got around. too excited. Right. Because I, yeah, I, yeah, I know me. 
I know you. Yeah. We're going to get too excited and forget half the book. Yeah. Actually, I don't think we'd forget half a book. It would just be a shit show. So yeah. part three. This is when we learn that Tess has family drama. The stuff that she's the running. the rabbits? Yeah. This is when, um, I think this is when she overhears people talking about the hand and she has some trauma with her sister and she's afraid of her. So her sister's still alive. I feel like she's going to show up, maybe if not in this book, definitely in the future. Mm-hmm. And then this is also in the next chapter of this part is when Rye almost dies in the tub because... He was baiting the hand. Yeah. As he does because he can't die because of Darker Shade of Magic. He's tethered to Kel and they can feel each other's pain. Except for the magic pain, which is only Kel's. Right. Which is sad. Which is very sad. They can feel each other's, like, hangovers. They can feel each other's drunkenness. Like, if yeah. Rye drinks too much, then Kel starts to feel tipsy. They can't feel pleasure, though interesting take mm-hmm. like interesting take v because they can feel i mean obviously pain and in the first or the second one gathering of shadows rise like making out or having sex with some girl in the woods mm-hmm. and she's like scratching his back and, like, oh yeah and Cal- oh, right, and Cal- right. Can feel it and he's like are you getting attacked and he's like no she's, <laughs> she's a little rough <laughs> i forgot about that that's funny we also learn about rise wife the woman yeah we meet the daughter first out of nowhere so now I'm very confused in real time. <laughs> but I figured she was there just to make the air. So so we meet their daughter, Ren. Ren has two fathers and a mother. Nadia, Nadia is the queen. And honestly, if I could be anyone, I might want to be Nadia. She is this beautiful genius who is a powerful magician and just wants to be left alone in her basement where she just studies shit and makes things. And I love yeah. her for that. That's kind of a vibe. I um, I didn't really like her. Not that I disliked her. I just didn't really like her. She just kind of felt like nothing. But apparently she and Alucard have some sort of relationship because later Alucard goes down to the basement mm-hmm. and it's as a common thing that he just kind of hangs out with her while she works and she ignores him and he just talks. Or doesn't. Yeah. I think she knew what she was getting into when she met Rye. Um, because she at the wedding she talked to Alucard and she was like, He tells me every single day that like you're his heart. It she just has to be there for an heir because in Red London what was it? It was very important to have an heir. Yeah, so the Maresh Rye's family have been on the throne for so many years. Three hundred, I think. The- yeah. And there's all these nobles who essentially could claim the throne if there's no heir. There's mm-hmm. no heir apparent, I guess. And so in order to keep the Maresh family on the line, Rai has to have a child. And obviously Rai is sexuality fluid, but he is in love with Alucard and they cannot produce an heir. So he has to marry a woman. And I think have a child. she was up for that. She's like, yeah, sure. I get to be queen. I get to have freedom and I get to do whatever the fuck I want and be left alone. Yeah. I think it's funny, too, because she said at some point she was like, I, I want, I've want, i always wanted to be a mother, but I didn't really want to be a wife. So she's like, I'm getting, I'm chilling. She's yeah. Like, she's not concerned. I, I think they all have this friendship mm-hmm. that I think is pretty cool. There's yeah. a respect and friendship with each and every, in between the three of them, in between couples individually within that triangle. I think it's a pretty cool dynamic that they have going on. Yeah. And she essentially tells, I don't know, I guess she's telling Alucard, but maybe she's telling us, is that she and Rai have only essentially been intimate to create the child and then they mm-hmm. just gave up. And yeah. like Alucard has his own room and there's no bed in it because he just yeah. sleeps in Rai's room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like if Kel and Rai shared pleasure, like Kel would just be like pleasured all the time because of the <laughs> amount of times that <laughs> Rai and Alucard. <laughs> Yeah. Pleasure each other. <laughs> Did you catch the snippet where he like walked in on them one time yes. accidentally? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was when um Cal and Lila got to Red London and she was like making the basically portal to go from the tavern to the castle. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, let's just use a personal item. And he was like, No, because then that takes me right to him and I've learned the hard way. <laughs> <laughs> learned I don't want to do that all the yeah. time. I'll knock. <laughs> These books have like a lot of not a lot of seriousness but there's like a lot of like very heavy plot not heavy but you know very focused plot and character and all this stuff and then there's like stuff like that is just laugh out loud funny <laughs> that actually is a perfect segue it leads me into my favorite line mm-hmm. so far okay it's right after rise like drowning and like getting stabbed and stuff 
and oh, they go on like the FaceTime call. Yeah. So with the rings that we previously mentioned, Kel is basically now drowning and dying kind of on nothing because Rye is getting attacked. And as soon as it's done with, they immediately summon the ring that's linking them and they go over to their scurrying board, which is like FaceTime. And it's <laughs> so Kel's almost drowning, you know, serious kind of heavy scene. Not really, but it's, it's dramatic. It's dramatic. Mm-hmm. And then they're doing the activating spell and the scurrying table sat in the corner. Lila had clearly been using it as a hamper. Several articles <laughs> of clothing piled on top. <laughs> this is on page 177. Following along. I think maybe, okay, starting it a little bit back. There was only one scurrying table around, aboard the Baron, a polished black basin in the captain's quarters. So It's a hamper. <laughs> we don't need this. <laughs> it's in my room. And to me... <laughs> that is just I, I like how V said so she writes all of her characters like she doesn't do chapter one doo-doo-doo-doo. chapter two like the whole thing mm-hmm. she will write an entire character's perspective of the book and then another's and then place them as needed which that would just like that is so what like yeah that that just sounds crazy like, to me like I could not do that right that sounds <laughs> like a 3,000 piece puzzle but I mean she's got it it works perfectly yeah so I like how it's not even it, it's Kel's narrative basically mm-hmm. but it still has a piece of so heavily Lila personality in there mm-hmm. <laughs> and to me after hearing her say that it just means so much more I don't know I think that was just a fun little nugget yeah, because then you wonder, like, what Lila's perspective of this whole book look like. And, like, her section is, like, Lila has a scrying board in her room. It's a hamper. Next chapter. Yeah, because, like, <laughs> like I, I was thinking of, like, I was like, oh, I got to mention this to Rachel. And I'm like, how do you even say it? I feel like in another book, in another author who's maybe not as talented as V is, they would just be, like, they would say that from Lila's perspective. Where it'd be like, oh, she's undressed at the end of the day and just throws it on a scurrying board. But here it's from Kells, and I think it just does so much more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I love it. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. I love it, too. And I also love even just their dialogue in this chunk, because anytime Kel and Alucard hate each other. Yes. <laughs> and, but I feel they, they don't because they both know that the other person is good for Rye and they both love Rye more than anything, but they also hate each other. And every time they're together, they're just like snipping back and forth. Mm-hmm. So every time they're together, it's very quippy and it makes me laugh. Like even on page 178, I'm looking because I was following along with your hamper. He's asking Lila about his ship. How's my ship? And she's like, oh, you know, still in one piece. And the crew wants you to know they like me better because he used to be the captain. And then Alucard's mouth twitched into a smile, but Kel's ear were still ripped. Kel's ears were still ringing. He dug his fingers into the edge of the table. How could you let this happen? The amusement flickered and died on the consort's face. Me? You have one job. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, I have many. We can't all be off playing pirates. Tell me, do you still dress up? I heard you even have a fancy name. And they're just like fucking bullshitting with each other over nothing. That's right. I actually have a note of that. We totally forgot about the whole K thing. Yeah. I actually have a note of it and I didn't even mention it. Because I'm an idiot. I don't know how I feel about it. It's a little weird. I think it helps him separate himself from, like, his identity of being an Antari to, like, the privateer. It is kind of weird, but, like, I see how it works for him. And I liked when he, like, dressed up and Lila was like... (laughs) Yeah, I did like that scene. It was fun. I thought it was funny. And any banter that they all have. I love Rye, Lila, Kellen alucard scenes even though to be honest i only like alucard like 75 percent. yeah he's not like like rye just want to hug i like oh okay handshake i actually think i love rye and lila's um kel and lila scenes and then i feel like i like alucard and rye like 75 percent. like i i like them but sometimes their perspectives i'm like okay yeah i don't like alucard's perspectives I, i don't know I like anytime Rye's in a scene because I like him a lot. What I love are Rye and Kel scenes. Yeah. And Lila and um, Kel scenes. And I also love the very few moments that Rye and Lila we get together. I do too. Because mm-hmm. they're rare and they're fun. Because they both, to the same degree, but they both have like the same love for Kel. Mm-hmm. But I like how in the in the first three books she made Lila and Alucard have a good relationship and then... Mm-hmm. Kel and Rye have a good relationship and then they are dating each other. Yeah. And then we end that part with a scene with Tess and her friend Nero 
and then the magician i'm sorry the merchant's son coming in with the broken stolen dark magic portal thing tess takes her all of her attention into fixing it mm-hmm. her little horse blinders tess had gone to bed craving dumplings girl all the time is that the start of part four <laughs> no it's just chapter oh. 10 part, whatever <laughs> i'm just like flipping through it oh yeah, like, yeah yeah tess had gone to bed craving dumplings she makes a portal because she didn't realize that you needed the ring part that mm-hmm. the merchant's son had kept. Mm-hmm. And she goes somewhere that we learn to be uh, Grey London. Oh, I was going to say, yeah. Was that Grey London? Am I an idiot? Is it Grey London? I don't know if it's confirmed at the point that it's we not left confirmed. off. But I very much believe it was Grey London. I very much believe that too. Yeah. Okay. Which is crazy. When do we get Kosika? Was that in book five? That's, that's part five. five. Yeah, that's part five. So I made a note. Everything's kind of coming together. The Tess now has the broken magical object. She's going to fix it. Kel and Lila arrive in Red London to kind of start calling in the favor. So they're in the tavern. They're in the room at the tavern. And we get another little moment between them. And again, not to gloss over Tess or these new characters. But I, I think I was saying this to you before we started recording. Or was I saying this during the recording? If I repeated it, I'll just edit it out. That I love all the older characters just because we know them more and I'm still getting to know all the newer characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so not to gloss over Tess at all. But I made a note here that in the Darker Shade of Magic series, I I mean, you can't kind of tell that Kel and Lila were going to get together. Mm-hmm. How it happened, I feel like it kind of just started out of nowhere and I was kind of worried that it was just one-dimensional. It was just because they both found each other and they both, you know, are Antari. And instead uh-huh. of sharing, like, a trauma bond, they just share, like, something so rare that, like, literally only the three, including Holland, people in the entire universe, no matter how multiverse, can do. So I was just like, mm. I mean, I love them, but I wanted a little bit more. But now I'm starting to understand that as they've grown and matured, they've grown and matured together. And I, like, now they can kind of talk about how they met back then. And it makes more sense to me now. And even, and like Lila, she doesn't change for anyone. She doesn't wear her heart on her sleeve. And like I was saying, I think Kel likes to kind of pull it out of her. Yeah. So now I know that Lila is not going to like, you know, quake at the knees for Kel ever. And she wasn't Mm going to do that back then. Not like I was expecting her to. But I was like, oh, this kind of just happened. And now I can understand it better. That was very long, but. (laughs) That's okay. No, I thought that scene was really sweet. And they were like remember how we met and we met in a room like this but yeah. then also we got to learn a little bit more about like what Lila was thinking in that moment mm-hmm. and like her perspective and also it's a little like recap because four books ago yeah she's very abrasive and still is to this day so it's like okay now I kind of know you better even back then so I love any scene with the two of them in it me too it's a blanket he's a blanket and I also like how they aren't like dancing around the fact that they like each other mm-hmm there's not any, like, oh, like, will they, won't they thing. It's just that clearly a couple. Mm-hmm. They're, they've been a couple for a long time. They flirt with each other. They make out. They have sex. And it's just, like, a cute relationship as mm-hmm. opposed to... I hate, like, in TV shows, when you come back on a season and you're like, oh, by the way, we broke up. Yeah. Like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I it's hate like, that. It's never going to happen here. They're always going to yeah. be safe. I mean... Yeah. Somebody might die, but, like, <laughs> the relationships will be safe. I appreciate that because I I do actually think that I would be – I would still probably read this book because I love the Ishwab and I trust her. Mm-hmm. But I feel that if this book started out – it was, like, five years ago, Kel and Lila broke up and went their separate ways. I'd be, like, no matter. Yeah. Yeah. But now I just, I just love that they're still together. I love them. I just want to, like, hug them. <laughs> they get to the palace. I love how they, like, transport there. And Kel's, like, taking in his room, whatever, and Lila's just fucking gone. She's like, all right, whatever, and she leaves. And then he hears, like, guards, like, being, like, on guard, and he's like, and it's just us. Don't mind her. You just walk out of a random bedroom, and the guards are standing guard. They're like, no one walked into that bedroom, and Lila's like, bye. And he's like, it's me. I'm good. Yeah. And then we get a great scene on the roof between Kel and Rye. Yeah. And you can kind of see, because, like, V.E. said we left off, Kel was like, 22 and now he's almost 30 and you can really kind of see the life that the two of them have led in those seven years how they changed mm-hmm. and i really like i had a kid right had a full-on kid and a marriage and an a la carte 
We also get, was this before or after the scene with Rye and Tyrion, the Avanesson? Okay, yeah, because right. this is when we first learned that Tyrion died. Yeah, and the way that we, because she never specifically says the words like, Tyrion passed on blah 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 right. blah day. It was just this like haunting scene about how he's slowing down and he's talking to Rye about what he thinks is after death mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And it was really sad. Yeah. Really sad, really deep, but I do like this new priest lady, Lady Ezreal, and I learned that, or not, I'm sorry, so we learned that Tyrion died, and then, I don't know if that was their last conversation, I don't think it was, because it said that death was coming for him, but, like, slowly. She's young, he said, and V said in the book, like, described her as not much older than Kel, and Kel's, like, 30, and he was wondering if it's because he told a tear in that I've lost so much already that that's why he picked her. And I thought that was nice. Yeah. And I like how she's honest. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe from what I can understand, the Avanescent's role is essentially just to be like a counsel for the mm-hmm. king. And Bri needs somebody to be honest with him instead of being like, oh, my king, she does have that, but she also is like, well, the church says this, or the whatever, mm-hmm. their version of church says this, and he's like, well, what do you think? She's like, I don't know. I think that's what you need out of yeah. politicians. Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, I did. I liked that scene, and it made me sad. The sanctuary is what they call the church. Maybe Holland's hiding out in the sanctuary of White London. Mm-hmm. Which is where we go next, part five. We end up in White London, and the entire thing is with Kosika and her blessings yeah so i it bleeds into a bucket yeah it yeah i wasn't sure about how to picture all of that but i do like how again it was written how we got a backstory and how they think that that's helping and maybe not only they think it actually is helping the magic of white london but i also love how they worship holland yeah because he was inherently good he always meant so well, just like he always drew the short straw in life. Yeah. And he kind of had to be an ass because of it. And then he sacrificed himself when it mattered. And he was finally at peace when he died. Like, that's how she described him when she came upon him in the forest. And I just really like how White London basically sees him as this godly king that kind of changed magic in the world. And because she's an Antari, that's how she got on the throne, even though she was only seven. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Good now for she's her. 14. I don't know why, but when I, we found out that she was Antari, I was a little bit defensive of being an Antari. I was like, no, she can't be. <laughs> I was like, she's not, like, one of our friends. Like, she... <laughs> I was worried, no. like, in the first chapter of her part five, I was like, is she evil? I can't do with somebody else evil and dark magic and a rebellion. I don't think she is. I don't think she is either, but I am deeply suspicious of anything going yeah. on in White London. Same, same. I was like, am I thinking she's evil just because she's White London? What's happening here? I'm hoping she's not because I kind of like her. Yeah, I like that she... I mean, I don't know. I understand her blood thing. Yeah. Is that instead of like, oh, it's just me, the Antari blood, being the person to save the town. Like, we're all going to save the town together. In concept, I like that. Because she needs um, more power. But she did, like, kill that guy. What guy? The second Holland stop, there was a guy, like, booing her He tried her to stuff. kill her. He did, yes. But it was, like, really gory the way that she killed him. And I was like, I don't know. I don't know think she that. meant to do it that me... way. Whatever. I don't give me a red flag. I was like, mm. It's a little scary. And if she doesn't want Cal, okay, get the fuck out of here. But <laughs> don't come near him. But um, I was like, oh, I see. I see. An eye for an eye. And she has this friend, this boyfriend. Lark. Boy space friend. Lark. Mm-hmm. And her other friend, what's her name? Begins with an N. Um, Nasi. Was she and- in? Yes. Okay, I was gonna ask you because you read it. You read it um sooner than I have. Yeah, that's so funny. She was in Conjuring of Light, and she was like over. I figured she was Osha. Yeah. Oh, I call her Osha, which is a hundred percent wrong, but that's what I called her. Yeah. <laughs> she was like lying in state, and she was dead, and Nasi was like keeping the dead body company because she felt bad for her. Oh, yeah. And then Oseron showed up and, like, reanimated the body and mm-hmm. it's probably traumatizing for this child. Right, right. Well, I'm glad that Kosika has a friend. Kosika. 
Yeah, and I think they like sleep in the same bed. Apparently. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Which Girl is fun. Fun for them. I I did like her, like especially in this section where you get a lot of her story and her backstory and the thing on the wall and how she discovered her Antari power and it was a whole thing. Yeah, we adventure. We figure out that an Antari is not born with a black eye. That one day, the day that they get their magic, it just randomly turns. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were born with it, but apparently not. Or maybe in think- White London, I don't know. Yeah, I think we knew that they weren't because mm-hmm. that's when Kel lost his family when he was like six or seven and they, he turned, he came into his Antari power and that's when they essentially sold their kid to the king. Uh, I'm happy you're here. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but she does, Koska does try at some point when she's younger and more naive to save the town and she like puts her hands into the soil and is like, heal! And then she ends up like, almost killing yourself because that's not how things work and that's how the whole blood sacrifice at the change of the seasons happened mm-hmm. i yeah. see the logic there the tithe and then she goes and she's worshiping holland and it's a whole thing the ritual was done and then we're, we're done with this now we're here we are yep here we are <laughs> and we start back in red london okay apparently yes and the, the part six is called the strands converge which seems like a good part to pick back up again because we've like laid out all the groundwork mm-hmm. and we've set up all of our chess pieces and now we get to put them together. Yeah, now we get to kind of know all these new characters and I think people are going to start meeting. Yay! There is a new character that we've already met very briefly and his name is Callan. Oh my God, I have a note about him. That is right. <laughs> so where was this? Oh my, I'm, I'm just so bad at following my notes here. I'm like, oh, let's keep things chronological. And I'm fucking up even with notes. To be fair, there's, oh. this book is like an ensemble cast. There's so much yeah. different. Like, there's so many fingers going in different directions right now. It's hard to track. Okay, so The Merchant Sun, FYI, huh. backtracking, uh-huh. dies because he just jumped off. He stole the stuff, jumped off the ship, and I think he's cursed. So he's dying anyway. And then more higher up people of the hand do come find him and they basically kill him because he was late for it to meet them he was late to meet them the thing's broken he already had brought it to test to fix bex who is giving bellatrix and a man named callan whose name is spelled exactly like it sounds unlike what my parents decided to do (laughs) so i think i have to like him even though he's probably going to be the villain whatever (laughs) he's definitely a villain he's part of the bad guys group (laughs) But we all know how you feel about bad guys. Players. I don't like them, though. I, I, I draw a line. I draw a line. I don't like these people. I don't know. I don't get into political things. Dark wizards, yeah. Yeah, like political rebellion groups. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. No, thanks. And also, she writes them so well because they're very clearly, like, idiots. Yeah. I don't have time for that. I have time for, like, the cunning kind of people. Slytherin kind of people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These people so he's are gonna. Squid. These people are squid. <laughs> These people, Bex and Callan, are going to come in somewhere. Yes. They seem to be in charge of something, or at least deputies of something. Definitely. I I know that in the last two read-alongs, we made some predictions. Mm-hmm. And because I know it's B.E. Schwab, I know that I have no idea where this is going. I've absolutely, I've got nothing. I literally I was like, do I have any prediction? Absolutely not. No. I, like we said in the beginning, I would be pleasantly surprised if Holland came back. Am I banking on it? No. Um, but I would love it. I want Kel and Lila to have a conversation about the rings, um, or Lila to use it, and Kel be like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I want to go visit Ned Tuttle. Oh, yeah, I want to go visit him. I like him. He was mentioned very briefly. In, oh, I um... did catch that Lila has been traveling between the worlds, mm-hmm. and I did catch before we came to part five that she said she was surprised and learned that White London had a child queen, and I was like, is that the girl from the very beginning? And it was. I was vaguely, not really, but vaguely spoiled because V.E. Schwab posted picture, like fan art or Mm, whatever, art of characters a while ago, like in the promotions for this book. Yeah, yeah. And she posted a picture of Kosuga with Holland behind her, but it said like the queen and her saint. Mm -hmm. So right now that's not really a spoiler because she's just worshiping Holland Mm -hmm. and she had a black eye. So I I did know that it was like a fake Antari thing, like in... I think it's that's in the description that there's a new Antari. Oh yeah, there's got to be. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't read this in a while, but yeah, there's Kosika, the ch- child queen of White London. So I wasn't like you know fucking Einstein picking that up. 
<laughs> uh, to be fair, I like never read the. No, I haven't of a read this I since I, honestly, I haven't read this since I skimmed it on Goodreads like months ago, and I was like, obviously, I'm reading this. Why am I wasting my time reading? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To be honest, there isn't much given away in this dust jacket thing. Mm-mm. It just says Tess is the only one who can keep all the worlds from un- un- unraveling if she manages to stay alive first. That doesn't seem that. I don't want to say spoilery, but like spoiler, it doesn't give me any information because I I could pretty much put that together with the fact that she's the one who fixes stuff. I just hope she fixes Cal, fixes like yes. repairs his magical. Abilities. That didn't even cross my mind, and if that doesn't happen in the next one, two, three books, I'm gonna be real sad. I, I hope it happens this book because Alucard can see the threads of power, but he can't like do anything to them, and he can see Kel's... threads on Kel. Yeah, he can see the magic as Kel still has it. And Kel has done magic before, but it barely, like, it costs him, like, an insane amount of pain. Mm -hmm. So it's still there. It just needs to be fixed. And hopefully Tess does that. Yeah, in the the first book, Darker Shade of Magic, theoretically, could be its own standalone book. Mm -hmm. Like, it didn't need the next two books, which is back when I was younger and we would watch, my dad and I would watch movies all the time. And we loved Back to the Future. And he would tell me that a good trilogy, the first one can stand on its own as its own movie. And the second one cannot exist without the third to complete it. So this series, like Back to the Future, is a really good trilogy because the first one can stand on its own. Mm -hmm. And then the second two can only exist with each other because they have to, you have to finish the story with the third. Pirates did that. Pirates did that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I really hope, because I know that her next two books are not the second book out of this series. She has one coming out that's a standalone that she was talking about. Yeah, yeah. That she's calling Bones. And then the next one that she's writing will be Villains 3. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I don't really remember Villains 2, but I don't think it left out on a cliffhanger. It left out on like a, hmm. like a, huh. Well, I think that's how this trilogy ended. Like a, hmm, I can take that somewhere. So she yeah. probably has the same thing in Villains. Sorry, yeah. I've never read it. You have. I haven't. Yeah. Um, so that's Villains 3 and then F- Fragile Threads 2. So we have probably like two years until the next book comes out. Well, that's why we have this. So in two years, our besties can come back to this and get a refresher without having to read the whole thing. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. But I really hope it does. I have no idea where we're going. This is all to say that I don't have any predictions because I have no idea. She said that every, because this is a trilogy, Mm -hmm. she knows the ending to every trilogy, even if she hasn't completed the first book first. Like before she even writes, she knows the ending of it. Mm -hmm. So everything's thought out. It's there. Mm -hmm. We'll just see where it goes. And we are here for the ride. Yeah. So far, it's a five-star read for me. I'm here for every ride. Victoria can do anything, and I'll be like, yeah, sure, let's read it. Let's do it. Yeah, sure, let's read it. Yep. Every single one of her books, I have given five stars to. There's only, like, some of her young adult stuff I haven't read yet. And she even said that wasn't young adult. She was just told to make it young adult. Gallant? Okay, the near witch. She said Mm -hmm. people told her the near witch was young adult. She's like, no, it's not. But they made it young adult. Yeah, because they told her that she had to write for young adult because she was a young adult, and then she... And her, her main character was a teenager. Yeah. Um, I liked The Near Witch. I don't, I think because I knew it was like her first book, I don't think I gave it five stars, but like, holy shit, she's amazing. So. Yeah, well, she was like 19 when she wrote that. Was she? Like, I think. What an amazing queen. I think also. I also gave that one four stars, but it was literally your first book. And her logo is literally a V with a crown. If you have your own logo for you as a person, you're amazing. And it's a crown. I would yeah. like get that tattooed on myself <laughs> if it was me. She might have it. Who knows? It's a V with a crown and then like two little dots because it's like V-E. Also, she said this book is a TARDIS because it's bigger on the inside, which is a Doctor Who reference. Yeah, and... I got that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very well, like welcoming. Like I feel this is a natural progression to the story. It doesn't feel disjointed in any way from its previous books and i like how she said she didn't want to she gave it seven years because she knew she'd be older it just so happened to be exactly seven years older and she didn't want to feel like she was writing fan fiction of herself yes so i appreciate that Mm -hmm. i hate when beloved authors who've written a lovely series that everyone loves and adores 
10 years later decide to write a sequel that makes no sense and feels like fan fiction of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I hate it when that happens. Some authors just do what the fans want and it just doesn't feel like it's in alignment, but I guess it's working. Any hoosers, VE is very talented. Um, please go pick up. Um, well, at this point, if you stuck around this long, you already have picked up a Darker Shade of Magic series. and Or if you haven't, you can do it after you finish this book. Okay. Yeah. But sorry for spoiling the entire series this entire time. So, Well, if you've made it this far, you're just a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fucking idiots. Thanks for joining us this week. <laughs> yeah. If, if you haven't read it or just want a little... I don't know. This is more than just a summary. And if you've made it this long, I mean, I feel like you wouldn't. I don't, I don't feel like anybody would. Yeah, probably not. Mm-hmm. I feel like you wouldn't tune into this episode if you don't know what this book series yeah, is. Yeah, or if you accidentally do, you'd realize it within the first three minutes, so. Yeah. All right, let's go read. Okay, Bogey. Thanks for joining us, besties. We will see you next week when we talk about the other half of this book. Bye, guys. <laughs> All right, besties, thanks for hanging out with us. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we will see you Monday with another episode. Bye. Bye.